We're going to have a guest-laden show, obviously taking time for your phone calls as well, but it sounds like, what, we're going to have Bagwell... Is it this segment? Are we going to call Scott Bagwell? Yeah, he's going to call early because he said he had to be on the bus with basketball at four thirty. Okay, so huge, he'll call. He'll he'll check in before four thirty. Huge high school football game tomorrow night. You can catch on Wings ninety four three Auburn and Central. We're going to talk with Scott Bagwell about that. Justin Ferguson four thirty. I think we're going to call and have a supersized segment with uh, with the Auburn Observer Justin Ferguson and then David Pascal at five o'clock from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. It's getting. We, we really haven't talked about it because of what's going on in Auburn. It's a pretty interesting year for the college football playoff. Like, they, they could have, depending on what ends up happening, they could have some interesting decisions to make. And mm-hmm. somebody could have a pretty legitimate gripe. Oh, somebody being, is, is, is almost definitely going to have a pretty legitimate gripe. Yeah, so, so we haven't talked too much about that because of what's been going on with Auburn. But we could talk about that, among other things, in the SEC with David Pascal at 5 o'clock. Just getting underway, and let's uh, go ahead and let you uh, know that hour number one of The Drive, brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where we uh, welcome guests and your calls. You're our guest, too. 334-321-1390. We'll get to your calls in a little while. Uh, you want to let everybody know how they can they can go ahead and text us with uh, Drew here. They can do that. That's right. You can send us a text into the drive text box, 334-564-1840. That's the number to text. Uh, that's presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can find however you listen to podcasts. Just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to the podcast center at ESPNAU.com. That's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Let's get to the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline, as we were saying right at the outset. Um, Going to start off by talking some, uh, a, a well, a rematch and, and a familiar rematch. The eighth meeting in the last four years, because it's the fourth straight year, I believe, that these teams have played in the uh, state semifinals in the 7A playoffs as Auburn travels to Central, and we welcome in the voice of the Auburn High School Tigers. That's Scott Bagwell. Scott, how you doing, man? Good. How are you all doing? Uh, pretty well. I mean, these teams know each other very well and know exactly what's on the line. I mean, it's an opportunity to be playing over in Jordan-Hare Stadium in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, these, these two teams, they've become the dominant teams in the South. Uh, as you mentioned, fourth straight time in the Final Four. Um, and the only time that Auburn's gotten a win at Phoenix City is the last time that Auburn went to play for a state championship. So if Auburn wants to do that, they're going to have to do it again um, on Friday night. And to do that, they're going to have to not turn the ball over and they're going to have to tackle well. Scott, what, what did you see from Auburn this past Friday night in a game that seemed, seemed like Auburn controlled throughout? Well, in, in the first half, it was uh, back and forth. Um, so it was three drives for each team. Auburn had three touchdowns, and then right at the end of the half, they missed a field goal. And then Dothan had three drives and scored two touchdowns. And then Auburn made some adjustments at the half, and then they ran away with it. Um, and, and defensively, I think Auburn gave up 67 yards in the second half, 64 on the final drive on the backup for him. Um, so it was a dominant performance in the second half by this defense. Uh, and I think it was a good – Central's offense right now, it, it, their run game dictates everything. 
So uh, it was good for Auburn to face another run-dominant team, be able to stop the run. It's a different beast with Central, but uh, they still had to make plays in space. They still had to be able to stop the run, and they did that this past week against Dover. One thing that um, that has been a problem, I mean, it's first of all, it's always tough to go over to uh, to Central and play over there uh, at Garrett Stadium. I mean, it's, it's just very, very difficult to do no matter what, but it seems like... Auburn's had that propensity of um, being, you know, just falling behind quickly, and that is that that's that makes it almost impossible when you go over there. Yeah, the toughest part about going to Central and getting a win is the fact that Central is good. Um, yeah, and, and and the past couple of times Auburn's gone over there, they they haven't started well. Uh, now the exception of that was last year in the playoffs. Auburn mm-hmm. started well. They got some turnovers. They they played better in the first half, had a lead. Central made some adjustments and then got a call. And then from there, they were able to turn the game away, turn the game around, and get a win. Um, even when Auburn went over there and won in twenty twenty, Auburn was down twenty to nothing before yep. the end of the first quarter, and they made the massive comeback to get the win. Um, I think I think Auburn needs to find a way to one hundred percent start fast. Stopping a score, scoring a stop, something like that, just to send the message of this isn't the same game. You know, even last year in the regular season, Central was up 14 0 in the blink of an eye. So I, Auburn's got to find a way to start fast on, on, on both sides of the ball and, um, and, and just, just send a message that, hey, this is different. It's going to be a different game. This isn't what happened in the regular season. And uh, and it's going to be a four quarter game. What needs to what what does Central try to do when they have the ball, and, and what's going to be the plan for the Auburn defense to stop it? So even though Central has these amazing receivers and they're really really good, they want to run the football. Um, that's what they did at will against Auburn in the first game. They were able to get whatever they wanted in the run game, and that that sets the tone. So Auburn's going to have to find a way to stop the run. And uh, and that's the key. I think Auburn in game one, they were worried too much about getting beat over the top. I think in this one, they're they're going to be uh, fully committed to stopping the run and saying, look, if they can beat us throwing the ball, even though they 100% have the capability to do it, we'll live with that one. What we can't live with is just not stopping the run. All right. uh, where, Where does Auburn, in your mind, match up the best against Central? I think Auburn's actually in the pass game. Um I think, uh, you know, you have Harris, the defensive back, who's going to Georgia. He mm-hmm. is as good as I've seen. He's as good as Marlon Humphreys was when he was at Hoover. He's as good as I've seen as a defensive back in high school football in the last 10 years or so. But uh, there's some other options where Auburn can kind of maybe pick on some people. And, uh, I mean, we saw that against, um, against Central in the first matchup. Clyde Pittman had a great game. Now, there was a play where he got a little bit of pressure and had to reset and throw the ball late, and the safety made a nice play, drove on the ball, and picked six. But Auburn moved the ball up and down the field against Central. Inside the 20s, they bogged down a little bit. But um, I think Auburn should be able to throw the ball. Now, with that comes that Auburn's got to protect. And um, if, if Auburn can't get into their sets quickly and get their hands on these defensive linemen, it can turn into a long day. Parker on the edge is really, really good, um, but uh, but Auburn I, Auburn had success running and throwing. I think if Auburn uh, is going to be able to to have success offensively, they're going to have to throw it. 
As for the as for the Auburn uh, or as for the Phoenix City defense, you know, is, is there any particular matchup where you think Auburn uh, could, could be in trouble, or is there anywhere where Phoenix City has really excelled this year? The defensive side of the ball. I mean, they got a defensive end that's SEC level. They got a corner that's SEC level. They got some linebackers that are pretty darn good. Central defense is special, but again, I think Auburn they move the ball really, really well against them. There, there's some stuff there that Auburn can exploit. And then um, I, the biggest thing for Auburn on the, on when they're on defense is Auburn needs the linebackers to have a great game. Linebackers didn't play well the first time these two teams played. Um, if we're calling Clark Cleveland and we're calling Coleman Granberry and Octavian Brown, you know it's a good day for this Auburn defense. Look, uh, looking forward to it. Looks like the uh, the weather's going to be fine. A little chilly, but that's just the way yep. it is this time of year. Yeah, when you're <laughs> playing this late in the season, that's 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 kind of just the way that it is. But um, it's going to be a great environment. It's an opportunity for Auburn to to right the one wrong from this year, which is that loss at Central, mm-hmm. and an opportunity to set up what would be a special day on November 30th if Auburn wins, because you'll have the flag football team playing at two o'clock, and if Auburn could beat Central which is what the flag football team did in the playoffs. Auburn will be playing at 7 o'clock both games at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Scott, what, what do you know about the other side of the bracket, the team that could be waiting for the Auburn Central winner in the state championship team yeah. uh, against uh, yeah, yeah, Jordan-Hare Stadium? It's the same story it has been the right. past couple of years. It's <laughs> Uber and Thompson. Yeah. Um, it's been the same four teams four straight years in the, in the Final Four. Um, and now Hoover... Beat Thompson nine nothing earlier in the year, but Thompson had some opportunities that they let slip away. It's going to be a defensive slugfest. First team to score fifteen or fourteen points probably wins. Thompson's rolling with an eighth grader at quarterback, so it's it's one of those things where Thompson's defense and Hoover's defense is very very they're very very good both of them, and offensively both of them have playmakers, but it's going to come down to, to who can find the short field, who can capitalize. And who can punch it into the end zone? Because uh, I think points will be at a premium uh, in that matchup this uh, this this Friday. You're uh, you're about to hop on the bus with uh, basketball, right? Yep, going to Benjamin Russell. They're two and zero. We're three and zero. It's going to be a uh, going to be an up and down affair. They're very very guard heavy. We're going to go as our guards kind of carry us as the year goes on, um, and all that action will be on NFHS on the NF. HS Network. You can watch that uh, broadcast uh, from Benjamin Russell. As uh, it, this starts, a kind of a big stretch for us. Four games in the next five or uh, six days. So um, we'll find out who, uh, what kind of team we got, and, and how much depth we have. Is it's going to be a pretty big stretch for us. All right, Scott. Good luck tonight, and then of course, good luck tomorrow night with the uh, broadcast. Same time, uh, right? Even though it's over in Eastern Time, right? Yep. 6.30 air time, 7 o'clock kicks. Myself, Jack Hudden, and Rob Pate will have all the action as uh, hopefully Auburn can go over there. And I know not a lot of people are giving them an opportunity, but uh, I think there's a quiet confidence amongst the staff and this uh, and this football team that they're going to go over there and get the job done tomorrow. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, good luck this evening, and uh, we'll be listening tomorrow night. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Scott Bagwell joining us. Auburn and Central tomorrow for the uh, – for the right to move on to the state championship game, we mentioned a state championship on t- uh, on on the line tonight for Lee Scott, looking to wrap up a perfect season in AISA um, 
the the top class in AISA as they take on Glenwood uh, over in Montgomery, uh, and and that game coming up on. Uh, 100.3. That's right. And you can catch it on Wings 94.3 tomorrow night, Scott and the gang. And, uh, and it's uh, Wings, uh, Wings FM, I believe is the, uh, I know you can get it on the, on the Radio Alabama network if you're looking for it that way. But plenty of ways to listen live. Uh, but Wings 94.3 if you're in the area for the call of Auburn and Central for a trip to the state championship game at Jordan-Hare Stadium later this month. Off to a good start here on the Thursday drive. We'll get to our first break. Uh, some couple of news items to pass along, and we'll open up the phone lines. Love for you to join in as we're just underway here on the Thursday drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and we'd love for you to join in. Let's see, a couple of... uh, couple of things going on today. Uh, word, let's see, in an interview, Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, saying that the, well, he didn't say it was definite, but said the SEC uh, appears headed toward eliminating divisions and that they are not looking at a pod system. That, that got some immediate responses from people going, well, well then there's no other options. And, uh, well, actually, the... The option that we had talked about is perfectly suited to this. What you do is you follow the basketball format. Uh, you go to a nine-game conference schedule, and it's not a pod. You play, every team would play three permanent opponents. But it's not the same as being in a division or a pod where four different teams play each other every year. You could, you might have a couple of teams that would play the same teams. Well, I, I but, wonder, but, the, but but you don't have to have at at all. And you said earlier today off the air, you know, we were sort of, sort of talking about this. I wonder if folks are aware of how it's done in men's and women's basketball. Yeah, I think the they may not realize. They just go, oh, it's it's odd. This year we're playing Kentucky twice, or we're playing Florida twice, but we play Alabama twice every year. The way it works in basketball, it's different with a fourteen team. But you have three league, you but, have three designated rivals in basketball and you play those right. teams home and away every year, even as the rest of the schedule rotates. And in basketball you play three, that leaves ten other teams. You play five teams home and away one year and five teams just either at home or away. Right. And in and with a so when you add two more teams in, like it will be with football, it's sixteen. You'd play three at home, and then of the twelve others, you'd play six one year or either six one year and the other six the next year, or you'd play home and away against six, then home and away against the other six. So that allows you, just as it is in, ba- as it is in basketball, to play every single team home and away twice in four years. And I'm, and I'm not saying it needs to be the same designated rivals. No, no, or, I don't think it would necessarily be the same you in see, football as it is in basketball. You can see a lot of overlap. Sure. Just some of the basketball rivalries are sort of bet on, you know, are sort of based on history as well. But I think some of them are also based on convenience. I think it's also going to be based on 
um, historical strength of those teams. And obviously, teams some teams are stronger in football historically than they are in basketball, and vice versa. Vandy's going to be, you know, Vandy be more highly thought well, of in, in basketball well, than me, football. Let me ask you this, without without making the whole segment about your your plans for every team and the, and the three. The no, three, I don't. Well, I do have it here with I, me, but I, I know don't really you want to. I know you it. do, but the. Uh, uh, for, for Auburn, the three designated rivals in basketball are Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss. Right. Would How surprised would you be if those were chosen as Auburn's three designated rivals for the first go-round of I, this, I guess I wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if those were the three. I would think it's more likely to be Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi State than Ole Miss. It just... Uh, I think I ended up with Vandy as mine and like trying to make it perfectly balanced. Mm-hmm. But that was with an outdated haves and have not system. Right. It, it, that it, had, that had changed a little this year. Ten, it? Yeah, Tennessee was a have not, and they might go to the college football playoff. Right. So it changes a little bit. And, and, and all of a sudden, Alabama staring down the possibility of playing. Because I had Alabama with, with Auburn, uh, Tennessee, and LSU. And now all three of those appear to be haves. Right. I don't think you're going to get any team that's that's going to get three haves or three have nots. I have I have two points about that. One, if Alabama, I don't know who Alabama's three designated rivals are. For some reason, I want to say they play Vandy twice in basketball. I might have that. Uh, I, I might sure. have that wrong. But for but but so uh, for for Alabama, if their three designated rivals in football were Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. That might be one of the tougher draws oh, any, anybody gets, mm-hmm. you know, in this thing. Which for and some, Auburn fans would say it's about time, right? And I think for some other folks, they'll say, "Well, we know the history of the SEC; those won't be Alabama's." Uh, I, I would highly doubt that 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 would be the case now. Right. Now with Tennessee's uh, resurgence this year, could you see LSU getting swapped out for Vanderbilt, Auburn, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, or is that too much of a? I you know I don't know I which, which which one of those three uh, I, I would guess LSU would be the team that would go but I, no I I don't think you'd go all the way to Vandy no because you can find other rivals for LSU that's where I you could plug where... a Mississippi State or something in there and then Auburn gets somebody else instead of Mississippi State also I mean well so because Auburn, Alabama and Mississippi yeah. State are right there next to each other and they have played each other a yeah ton with, of times. with all due respect to the Alabama LSU rivalry Auburn Tennessee Mississippi State's maybe not a bad no like that's no, that's it's a, not. because you I mean Mississippi and Mississippi State and Alabama are geographically as close as any two mm-hmm. teams in the whole league and there's so much rivalry history with with Auburn and Tennessee uh, against Alabama so yeah I, I would even think without. Yeah, without trying to, to piece together how it fits for everybody. Um, for Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, and someone certainly seems like right. it's going to be the mix. And the Ole Miss game has become, over the last few years, maybe the last decade yeah, or so. Yeah, especially if, if, if Auburn lands Lane, Lane Kiffin. I mean, uh, so, that that rivalry will be even a little more intense I mean, those on are, that side. Those are three pretty good teams that you'd be playing every mm-hmm. year. But it does seem like more often than not, you're going to have two or three pretty good teams on your schedule with that. Sure, with that and you've got six other conference games. You're going to be rotating the other 12 teams in anyway. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, that is the answer to what po- what could possibly happen if you... El- I think that's just the next step. You eliminate... 
You do, you just eliminate divisions. You've just got a conference. You take those teams, and at the end of the year, you pair the best two, and that's who plays in the SEC title game. I think one reason among many that conferences are going out, conference uh, divisions are going out of fashion in football is because conferences are under pressure to deliver the best possible conference right. championship game they can. And if you have a year where one division is much stronger than the other, you don't want to have a situation if you're trying to deliver if you're trying to deliver a quality conference championship game product to your broadcast partners in the audience, you don't want a situation where one team's a 35-point favorite. No, no, because you're the right. Divisions, because the division shook out that way. You'd rather have the top two teams in your... And look, if if you got the top two teams in your conference, in the conference championship game, and it's still a situation where someone's a f- multiple touchdown favorite because the number one team in well, the that's conference... That's just the way happened. it is. That's but the way it shook out. But you don't want it happening because of divisions. You'd rather have the best possible matchup in the conference championship. And you also, that way, you don't have to worry about it in those so-called pods. If it's a, if it's a team that's one of your... If it's two teams that are permanent opponents that happen to be one and two, so be it. And they just play again. So uh, so that's the way it would... That's the way it could shake out. So that's one of the stories... Another thing coming out, I was mentioning, you know, Lane Kiffin, and he's obviously been the name that has been mentioned the most for Auburn's open head coaching position. And word coming out of Oxford, Mississippi today that Ole Miss uh, is uh, offering Lane Kiffin a pay increase, one that would, the first, the first information or the first tweet that we saw was one that would put him in the top 10, uh, highest paid coaches in college football. I believe he was 11th already. But now I'm I'm seeing a couple of reports saying it would put him in the top 5 paid coaches in the country. And the the first reaction from a lot of people is, "Well, well, Auburn's been Jimmy Sextoned. I I I still don't know that if Lane Kiffin is uh I I don't think Auburn was looking to skimp on what they were going to offer Lane Kiffin when they got to that. I think I think the Auburn offer would be well in line or maybe even a little better than that. I would say I think somebody else uh, has posted that, that covers Ole Miss has said that money is not going to be, the salary is not going to be the reason that Lane Kiffin would either stay or leave Ole Miss. You don't want to be in a situation if you're the Old Miss administration where you let Lane Kiffin leave without a fight. Right. Either, right. I mean, he's a tremendously popular head coach, and there will be, and maybe you can soften the blow with a big time hire if he leaves to keep the fan base happy. There, there is that possibility, but uh, in general. It'll be a you know it'll it'll be a, a fairly crushing blow to that athletic department if Lane Kiffin were to leave for another job in the SEC, and so I can understand why they're trying to put their best foot forward. Sure, Lane Kiffin, even without separating Auburn from it, Lane Kiffin would have a tremendous amount of leverage uh, as long as he keeps winning with that four year contract law. Mm-hmm. What I mean, they, they think it sort of protects states from making. Huge mistakes and, and, and contracts. You know, you don't want to, uh, I guess the, the thought behind that would be you don't want someone signing up for a Jimbo Fisher esque contract and being stuck with it or it bankrupting a, a department or something. But what it actually does is it brings coaches like Lane Kiffin back to the table every year saying, well, I only have. Right, I've only got con- three years left on yeah. my contract. And the thing is, what people don't, what most people or a lot of people don't realize, that money's not coming. 
from university funds. Um, you know, the the $10 million a year that these coaches uh, are being talked about, as there is probably less than 5 million. You know, 5% of that at the most, usually it's much less than that, is university money. I've had the concern for much of the season that Lane Kiffin could feign some interest in Auburn just to get a better deal from Ole Miss. But he could also also have real interest in Auburn and get a really good deal to make the jump. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to uh, join us. We're going to check in, I believe, with Justin Ferguson here. Um, So stick with us as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Yeah, that last uh, commercial break was one of those... Would have been really interesting if we'd been on the air with that. Oh, my. Uh, Welcome back in, everybody. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive with Bill and Dan and Drew here in the studio. And uh, right now we're going to go to the Kia of Auburn hotline and be joined by our regular Thursday uh, co-host here in the studio. And that, of course, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, how you doing, man? Is Justin Ferguson there? Hey, you hear me now? Hey, we, we, hey, we can, I'm here. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are y'all? We're, we're doing all right. Always great to talk to you, and it's a it's a busy time with the Auburn football program finishing up the season and looking for a head coach, and also the Auburn basketball team uh, playing some really exciting games against quality mid-major opponents and the uh, and the trip to Mexico and then the West Coast before conference play in a couple of weeks. A lot of exciting stuff going on that you're writing about in the Observer. You want to start with basketball? We talked a lot of football. Yeah, that's where he's, that's where he's been. He's yeah, been over there at uh, basketball practice and uh, getting a little uh, uh, interview time with, with Bruce Pearl and some of the players. Yeah, what, what's, what stood out to you through the first couple of games of the season, Justin, from what you were expecting or maybe what you've been surprised by? You know, I, I, what has struck me the most about this team is kind of how similar they're starting this year to what they did last year. And what I, what I mean by that is they're, they're using their defense uh, and using that to kind of buy time for their offense. I mean, Auburn's defense has been excellent from, from really since the beginning of the season. Um, you talk about uh, the, the amount they have, the combined amount of points they've given up in the first three games of the season, it's the fewest they've given up in three games. Um, to start a year since uh, 2001. So, I mean, we're going way, way back. This is such a phenomenal start for Auburn's defense. Uh, and, you know, it's really buying time for the offense. You know, first couple of games, especially that South Florida game, it was a, it was a struggle for them to really put up points um, and get their shots falling. And then what you saw, you know, on Tuesday night against, um, you know, on, on, on Tuesday night uh, in their game, yeah, against Winthrop, they did a really good job of, uh, of shooting finally, but that defense has just been rock solid from the beginning. And they're still figuring out rotations. They're figuring out who plays with who the best and where and how it all kind of fits together on offense. 
But I think with all that newness and all those changes, the fact that they are playing so well on the defensive end is such a great time for them to start the year. Yeah, I've had a couple of conversations with folks, Justin, and I'd love your thoughts on this because they say, yeah, but it doesn't appear that the teams Auburn's playing this year are maybe quite as good as some of the ones Bruce has played in the past. Is that uh, playing into some of the defensive numbers that we're seeing? I think it's offensively you've played a, a team in George Mason that's slow and efficient. You've played against a team in South Florida who's just not very good on the offensive end. And you've played a team uh, against Winthrop that can shoot really, really well, but you've taken away what teams are the best at on offense in each of those three games. I think the scouts for Auburn, the pregame preparation for Auburn in these games have been fantastic uh, because they are playing uh, at a pretty high level uh, on the defensive end. So, yeah, I mean – I think George Mason is going to have a, a chance to fight for a tournament bid this year out of the A-10. Um, you know, I think Winthrop is one of the two best teams in the Big South. Uh, and then Texas Southern, who you're playing uh, tomorrow night, is, you know, not a great team um, and have been taking some L's. But, you know, they, they beat Arizona State not too long ago, and uh, they're, they're the favorite to win the swag. So you're playing teams that right now I think there's a, a list of teams you've played early in the season that are teams that you would expect to see in, like, the first round of the NCAA tournament. So it's kind of that level. Uh, but, yeah, this thing kind of gradually gets better moving forward. When they play St. Louis, that's a big step up in competition. When they play USC and Washington, that's a step up. So it is a gradual start uh, for the, for this crew. But I do think there's some quality opponents that they've played. Well, a couple, a couple of uh... – uh, thoughts just from the other night against Winthrop. Janai Broom, I mean, uh, fabulous numbers in 20 minutes, and I still don't think he's 100%. No, he's definitely not 100%. I can tell you that. He is uh, he's not at 100%, but he played so well. They took full advantage of the fact that Winthrop didn't really have a big man that could compete with him. Dylan Carwell's off to a great start this season mm-hmm. on defense as well. I think Auburn's centers are, are playing some excellent basketball early. But, yeah, good to see Janai kind of get that offensive game going, that rebounding advantage that you know he's capable of from what he's shown, you know, early in his career, um, you know, at, at Moorhead State, and he's brought it here to Auburn. Uh, but, yeah, I think Jai Broom uh, is, is you know, that kind of player that can kind of shift what Auburn is. Um, this is not going to be a great outside shooting team. I think they're going to be streaky. I think there's going to be moments where they're, they can look pretty good, uh, but that's not kind of their bread and butter. So the fact that they have a guy who is a true inside scorer, um, which is something they haven't had in a while, at the center position, I think it's going to help him out a ton. What did you uh, see out of Chance Westry in his debut for Auburn against Winthrop? <laughs> yeah, Chance Westry had flashes with him. I mean, flashes of really, really excellent play uh, out of him. Um, you know, the numbers aren't going to pop off the page, but the plays that he did make, uh, the shots that he hit, uh, the two shots that he hit, you know, the AM1 mid-range jumper, had another great fake pass to a jumper as well. He's just really, really smooth. Had a couple awesome assists as well. Um, Auburn's still going to try to figure out where he's the best at, where he's the best fit, um, whether that's playing backup point guard minutes or where it's playing more off ball at the two or the three. He did some of everything. Auburn threw a lot at him. Um, he didn't really go through the preseason at all because of that injury. And so he's still like he's still a ways away from being 100% kind of in full game form. Uh, but I thought the flashes that he showed, I mean, you just show more of that and a little bit more consistency. Um, I mean, you've got a weapon. You've got a guy that I think – is going to be one of your better players this year because he's so versatile, he's so athletic, he's very smooth with his game, and on offense and defense, he can just do a lot. And then uh, on, on the uh, uh, in, in the backcourt, you mentioned it shot it a little better. It was great to see. Um, the, well, the team shoot nearly forty percent, but Wendell go four for six from uh, behind the arc. 
Wendell Green Jr. is off to a phenomenal start to the season. His first three games of the year, he's been really consistent. I mean, he's averaging about 18 points a night, uh, about five, you know, around five assists, about five rebounds as well. His assist-to-turnover ratio is approaching three to one, which is excellent. He didn't have any turnovers the other night against against Winthrop. Um, he's he's playing really good basketball, and he's looking like the guy, you know, Last year, he, he had really good performances and really good games, and you thought that you know he could really turn the corner. Um, it's just the consistency you know, and the experience was kind of something that kind of eluded him. I think the offseason, he really worked hard and trained hard to be the guy. He is the you know floor general for this team, and his play has just really, really stepped up because of it. Um, he's had an excellent start the year. Good to see Zep Jasper hit some shots from the outside, especially early. Um, I think Katie Johnson's still trying to get in the swing of things a little bit, but you got Zep. Hitting good shots from the outside. Alan Flanagan's off to a really good start to the year. Um, you know, just playing some consistent offense and still bringing that elite defense. I think all those guys in that backcourt, Trey Donaldson's off to a strong start as well. It has Chris Moore as well. I mean, those guys, it's like, it can be some of everybody. You know, I think, you know, you, one night it may be one, one or two of those guys getting 10 or 15 points. Uh, but if they, they could, they could do with the way they're rotating, the way they're playing different guys, that backcourt, I mean, you can probably see a scenario where all five, six of those guys give you about five or six points. I mean, you talk about you talk about how much of an advantage that is if you're if you're Auburn. So I don't think there's no Jabari on this team. There's no just pure dead eye for deep. I think Wendell when his shots falling is really really good. Um, but what I think they can do is just all those guys can just get a little more consistent with their jumpers, a little bit more consistent with their outside shot. And Auburn's got a very scary offense uh, because they're so deep and they rotate a ton. And, you know, as they said the other night after the game, the one thing about playing an 11-man rotation and changing as much as Auburn does is when these guys get in the game, they're not holding anything back. They're not having to conserve energy. They're going full speed every moment they're on the floor, and that just makes them so much better on both ends. Talking with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer on the Thursday edition of the drive wanted to get some basketball talk in there you want you got yeah I've, I've got well i just uh just gonna see if there was any uh anything interesting from the players or bruce this afternoon yeah so we're we're, we're waiting on to talk on talk to bruce after this is oh, done. okay um you know they're still on the practice floor yeah bruce had a uh bruce had a charity event with uh, tim hudson earlier today and so they had to push everything back because of that so pretty good calls uh for the delay but you no know, we did talk to zeb jasper and jalen williams and Talking to those guys about uh, kind of what they've they've seen and heard. I think one of the biggest examples you talk about Auburn three and zero to start the year. I know they're not playing a murderer's row of talent early on, but that's not a guarantee. You see how many upsets that are happening in college basketball. How many big name programs that have lost to teams in mid major and smaller conferences. I mean, Bruce Pearl has made no mistake that he he tell, he talks to these guys about it. Uh, and Jalen Williams and Zeb Jasper both talked today about just kind of. The motivation, it's like you got to, the way Auburn plays, the style that they play this year, and the teams that they're playing early on, they've got to be a team that just gives 100% effort every single possession, can't take possessions off, because these teams that they're playing are teams that are coming in looking to pull off the upset. And Zeb Jasper had a good point. He said, look, I'm a mid-major player. I came from the College of Charleston. I know how much it means to these guys when you have a chance to beat a top 15 team uh, on the road. He's like, they're going to give you your best shot. Uh, and so Bruce Pearl, I think, has done a good job, whereas some other teams and other you know, early season ranked teams in college basketball through the first week and a half have fallen to these big upsets. 
Big Bruce has done a good job of like saying, telling these guys, like, look, hey, you can't, you, know, you can't take anything off. You can't take anything like this uh, for granted because these teams are going to come in and really, really try to give you uh, their best possible game. And it was cool to hear kind of Zepp's perspective because he he knows he's been in that that uh, situation before. Well, Zepp and, and several other players on that roster, you know, with with roots in mid major college basketball before coming to Auburn, Jonai and uh, and and Wendell as well. You know, guys who, who played uh, so, somewhere before coming to, uh, to to Auburn and get, getting the chance in in major conference ball. So so Auburn, Texas State, Friday night. Looking Texas for Southern, or Texas Southern, uh, Texas State's in the Sun Belt. I got, I got them on the brain. Sorry about that. But the uh, yeah, Auburn and Texas Southern on Friday night, and uh, pivoting to football a little bit. And and there is there is a game on Saturday against. Yeah, Western there is Kentucky. one one that one that may be a little uh, more than than a lot of people are thinking. Well, this is one of the better group of yep. five teams. Yep. It looks like Justin. Let, let's pre- yeah preview Western Kentucky a little bit for folks who uh, I have are, are unfamiliar with the Hilltoppers other than that uh, goofy uh, McDonald's land looking mascot that they uh, that they bring to uh, to sporting <laughs> events. Yeah, Western Kentucky is a team that's going to be very well drilled in what they do. Um, this is a team that throws the ball the fourth most times of anybody in college football per game. They also have run the fourth most plays of anybody. So they go fast. They throw it a ton. They have the air raid, fast-paced underdog mentality, and they bring that. Um, they're going to be very well-drilled in what they do. Talk about a team in Western Kentucky. They completely took Houston Baptist's offense, which is now Houston Christian's uh, offense, coordinators, players, quarterback, all that, and those guys are all pretty much gone now, and they've completely reset with the same philosophy, and it's still worked this year. This is a team that's going to make a bowl game this year. It's a team that's gotten some good wins under their belt. Um, have had a couple of, you know, surprisingly uh, lopsided losses. They had one against North Texas not too long ago. Um, but, yeah, they're going to come in, and you're never going to be able to count a team like them out uh, at any point in this game just because of the way they throw it. Uh, and they throw it around the yard and play fast. I think the good news for Auburn is that their pass defense has stepped up these last few weeks, particularly the last two weeks when you look at the pass rush and the coverage and the tackling. Those are going to be at a premium uh, in this game. They're going to be tested in that area. And I think on the offensive side for Auburn, you know that Western Kentucky, teams that have played Western Kentucky this year that want to run the ball have done a really good job of running that ball. Um, so committing to that, working the clock, dominating time of possession, taking advantage of the fact that Western Kentucky is not as big and as talented up front as the teams that you normally see in the SEC, I think that's kind of the key in this game for Auburn. Um, but, I, you know, it's a four- or five-point spread for a reason. Western Kentucky is going to come in here with zero fear. They're going to know exactly what they want to do. And uh, Auburn's going to have to play a really clean game, I think, to take care of business on Saturday. And that's a great point right there. It's something that uh, we didn't realize till until Jason mentioned yesterday. They lead the nation in forced turnovers, 30 turnovers forced. And that's something Auburn, it's been very rare when Auburn has played a clean game, not turned it over. Yeah, no, they uh, they are one of those teams that, um, you know, they get a, they've had more interceptions and touchdowns than they've allowed this year through the air. Um, they force a lot of fumbles, and they take a lot of fumbles as well. They do a really good job of that. I mean, they, this is a underdog mentality type of team. You know, they're going to come in, and they know exactly what they've got to do um, to you know, get a chance. They got to steal possessions. They got to play fast. They got to kind of kind of shock and all on offense. Uh, and so for Auburn, it's just can you commit to running the ball with Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, Robbie Ashford as well, some other pieces. Work that clock. Keep those opportunities. Don't give Western Kentucky more drives, extra drives, anything like that, short fields, because they will take advantage of it. 
And then for Auburn's defense, it's just, you know, can you make some havoc of your own? Uh, North Texas did a great job a few weeks ago of really keeping the top off their on their on their defense um, and and preventing the big plays and and you know playing well at the sticks and tackling well in space and Western Kentucky never got in a group. Auburn's got to do that exact same thing, and I think it's helped them a lot. That two weeks ago they played the Air Raid uh, against against uh, Mississippi State. I think that's going to be a big advantage for them. That this isn't a completely new thing that they just haven't seen yet. Um, and the fact that Auburn's past defense is playing pretty well here these last couple of weeks, I think it's going to help them a lot. We haven't talked a tremendous amount about the game uh, this week, in part because Auburn is uh, in, in the coaching search right now, and prospective candidates' names have come up and people have had questions. And, and I'd like to know something from you, because you've, you've been, uh, you know, I, I, I think, someone who has believed that Lane Kiffin could be a, a, a fit at Auburn. I remember back when Auburn was searching for a coach in 2020. Uh, I, I think you did some mm-hmm. uh, so, some advocating for for Lane Kiffin when people would ask who you think would yep. be a a home run or a good fit. And, and I guess my question now with with Lane Kiffin having succeeded to this point at Ole Miss, when people ask what could Lane Kiffin gain by jumping from Ole Miss mm-hmm. to Auburn, what does Auburn present him? that he doesn't have at the moment at Ole Miss. What is your answer to that question? I think it's access to talent. I think it's resources and finances. I think Auburn's NIL, um, much like with John Cohen, left Mississippi State for Auburn for NIL being a big part of that. I think the same thing could be happening with Lane Kiffin uh, from Ole Miss to Auburn if that ends up being the move. Um, you know, It's a place where you can succeed. And you know, Ole Miss, give him credit, man. Ole Miss has done a really good job these last few years under Lane Kiffin, the last couple of years, I mean, if they, they went out, you know, it's back-to-back winning seasons there, but it's the 10 win seasons there for the first time since 1960 and 1961, you know, and this is a place that hasn't won a championship in over 50 years. This is a place where um, it's just been hard to succeed. And we know at Auburn what the ceiling looks like. The ceiling at Auburn is championship level. Um, and, and it, and it, it doesn't take you quite as long to get up there as it might at other places. So, I think that's the thing. I think Auburn can offer more in resources. I think they can offer better recruiting opportunities right off the bat. And I think they just offer more support. I mean, just across the board, Auburn's just a better program than Ole Miss. Now, am I saying that Ole Miss can't continue to climb and get and better themselves and be in those situations? Sure, they absolutely could. But I do think, you know, just history and just resources – go a long way. And if Lane Kiffin really wants to win a championship as a head coach, and if Lane Kiffin really wants to swing with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart at the highest levels in the SEC, you know, a lot points to the fact that he has an easier time doing that at Auburn than he does at a place like Ole Miss for for a number of reasons. And then uh, today comes word that Ole Miss is uh, uh, offering a, a pay increase, a fairly substantial one, it appears, there at Ole Miss. That should not be a surprise to anyone uh, now that there's been so much so much talk and smoke about Auburn being interested in Lane and, and him apparently reciprocating. This is going to be an interesting kind of kind of start the clock moment, you know, hit the mm-hmm. hit the buzzer kind of moment if you're Auburn because. You know, if, 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 if Ole Miss is offered this contract and, he, and Ole Miss wants, you know, Lane Kiffin wants to stay at Ole Miss and he's, you know, he would like to be there long term, you would think that you would hear something about him making some sort of extension in the next week or so. Maybe Pretty right quick. after the right. Egg Bowl, maybe right around the Egg Bowl, just to go ahead and kill off any speculation 
and send a clear message. So if you don't hear any more out of it and you don't see that, I think that might be a sign that Lane Kiffin's a whole lot more interested in Auburn than maybe people think he is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, not surprised at all that Ole Miss is, uh, lining up to, uh, to give more money to Lane Kiffin. They should. Um, but I also don't think Auburn is going to be in a position where they're going to get outbid. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. Justin, uh, we're, we're uh, coming up on our top of the hour break. Uh, let, let everybody know what, what, uh, has been going on, what they can be looking forward yeah. to and how they can get the observer. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. It's been a busy week. We've had coverage of basketball and football. Um, did, you know, film room breakdown of Auburn's defense from the A&M game that you can check out. Did a story today about Auburn's running game under Cadillac Williams and how they're just going to be committing to, you know, really running the rock with them and how that take gives them an advantage this weekend. Uh, we'll have basketball uh, coverage tomorrow night uh, from Texas Southern, uh, the Texas Southern game, then the Western Kentucky game as well. So it's going to be a pretty busy weekend. Lead you right into the Iron Bowl. I'm telling you, this is the best time to sign up. It's $6 a month or $60 a year. All of our podcasts, all of our newsletters come to your email inbox. We're putting out at least one thing pretty much every morning, um, and it's well worth your time. So check it out, auburnobserver.com. Plenty of stuff there to uh, to get in with. Great stuff, Justin. Thanks a lot, man, and uh, we will, uh, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. See you, bud. Uh, we'll get to our final break. Stick with us. Here, final break of hour number one, that is. Don't go anywhere. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. Yard, we have what you need to get the job done. Out of time for hour number one of the drive. We got David Pascal from Chattanooga joining us in hour number two. But we'll have James with a quick phone call before we get to David. Then we'll get back to more of your phone calls a little later on. But we're halfway done. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Sunday's Browns-Bills game has officially been moved by the NFL to Detroit at 1 Eastern due to the forecast of heavy snow in Buffalo this weekend. NFL Week 11 does start tonight when the Packers host the Titans. The last time the teams met, Green Bay won by 26 at Lambeau Field two years ago. Don't expect another blowout tonight. Believes Titans radio analyst, radio network analyst and four-time pro bowler Lane Bishop. I think that's really what's going to happen in this game. I think whatever quarterback, and you got to lean towards Aaron Rodgers, uh, being with his resume can make more plays are going to win this game. Naturally, both teams are going to try to run the football uh, that travels well, uh, even in bad weather. But 
I, I think this is going to be a close one. It's going to come down to the wire. Lane Bishop, I'm Barton Hahn. Eagles have responded to the struggles of their run D in the absence of injured rookie Jordan Davis. Philadelphia signed defensive tackle and Dominican Sue to a one-year deal. It's the second. He's the second defensive tackle Philly has signed in back-to-back -back days. NBA Clipper star Kawhi Leonard could return from a knee issue tonight against the Pistons. He has been upgraded to questionable for the game. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in, hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill and Dan here in the studio, Drew at the controls, and uh, we'd... Uh, uh, we, we've got all kinds of things going on here in hour number two, which is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. We will get to a quick call on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And um, then we will head there and welcome in a special guest in David Pascal. But first, let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. James has been hanging on since hour number one. Hey, James. Hey, guys. I got two quick questions for you, and I'll get off the phone. Um, All right. One, I, what do y'all? What is y'all's impression on this uh, offer to Lane Kiffin? Is this something that you you feel like most Auburn fans are worried about? Because I don't. I'm not as worried about it as some seem to be. What, what, do, you, what I, do you mean? No, what do you mean the, worried about the old like Miss the, offer? Oh, yeah, the yeah, old the Miss old offer. Miss to offer. Uh, well, I mean, if they if they didn't offer to up his salary, that would almost be an indication that they're they're either giving in or just saying, okay, we can't do it. So, I mean, it's fairly standard procedure. Yeah, he's tremendously popular there, and he's going to have leverage if he wants to stay to get the best deal possible or nudge. Ole Miss towards, you know, narrowing the gap between their resources and their commitment to football success and some of the other programs out there. But if he wants to leave, there are reasons why Auburn would offer greener pastures for a great coach than Ole Miss. So, I mean, I think Auburn, you know, they, they need to do everything they can, and, and Ole Miss probably needs to do everything they can to keep him. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's going to depend on what Elaine Kiffin wants to do. Appreciate it, James. Three, yeah, we, we will get back to your calls in a little while. Right now, though, uh, we're going to welcome in our regular Thursday afternoon guest in this uh, time slot. That, of course, is David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga, where he's just wrapped up his own show, Press Row, uh, as we head into the next to the last weekend of the regular season. It's hard to believe we have moved along this quickly. Uh, David, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. I mean, there, there's plenty going on around here. I mean, all the buzz. Uh, and, as, and as we were just talking with James, you know, word coming out that, that Ole Miss has offered 
uh, a pay increase to Lane Kiffin, which would move him easily into the top ten. I think he was just outside the top ten coaches' pay anyway. But I don't think that, uh, at least from what we've heard, uh, that's gonna that would deter Auburn from uh, continuing to pursue Lane Kiffin. Yeah, and of course you had to deal with Hugh Freeze and Liberty a few weeks ago too. And and when these things come out, it's it's the uh, you know the devil in the details. I just don't know what some of these buyout things. And, and maybe you know, I have not had time because, like you said, our show just ended, so I I have not delved into that as far as would would this in, you know require any kind of heavy buyout if if someone wanted to pluck him away. Now, that's a good point. I, I I had been told that the buyout was not. Uh, something that was insurmountable for Auburn with his current contract, and and of course, if he re-ups, if he signs a new contract, that's a that's a completely different story. Right, and, and you know, and 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 this is an interesting time for him, especially coming off the heels of I thought he actually had one of the best press conferences of the season because you had a couple of reporters asking him about you know a couple of things they did really well in the game against Alabama, and, mm-hmm. and finally he just almost kind of semi lost it. He's like, look, I don't know how many moral victories were talked about here before I got here, but we lost the game. And and it's like I don't wanna I don't wanna hear about anything good that we did. We wanted to win this game and didn't get it done. And so I you know, I can, you definitely sense some frustration there. And so you do kind of wonder, you know, here we are another year where Ole Miss, I mean this is what year thirty one and counting where where Ole Miss is not going to the SEC championship game out of the West. I mean Auburn has proven that it can go on multiple occasions. So who knows? I mean, that is certainly that is certainly a, a topic. I know y'all are keeping a pulse on, but so are people outside of the planes. I can assure you. Talking with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and Press Row about everything going on in the world of college football. We can stay on the Auburn coaching. Oh, we can get back to it. There's, baby. A, there, there's a lot of other David because of the coaching search going on here in Auburn in the events of the last couple of weeks. We haven't talked at all about the college football playoff rankings. We we haven't really talked very much about different scenarios and, and who the playoff is open to this year. But it seems like this could be a year where it's not cut and dry for the committee as far as which four teams they should choose on selection day and there could be a team or two that that feels like they have a legitimate case and they're left out because there are only four spots this year what's your read on the on on, on the college football playoff at the moment who do you expect to see in there and, and, and who's still got a an outside shot in your mind Dan, you have absolutely hit on the hot button topic of our show for the last two weeks and you know ever since tennessee lost to georgia mm-hmm. uh you got tennessee fans you know, because the top five have stayed the exact same for two straight weeks. It's just who's behind. You know, I think a lot of Tennessee fans are confident that if Ohio State does beat Michigan, uh, you look at Michigan's resume of of Colorado State and and UConn and uh, you know just uh, Hawaii. I think was the other. I mean, they just they played three really weak teams. Um, and, and so Tennessee's pretty confident that, that its resume would win out over Michigan. Uh, the only thing that could make that close is if Michigan loses by like a field goal, they could argue, well, we played Ohio State a lot closer than you played Georgia. Um, but you know, even the conversation of LSU, I mean, Tennessee fans are nervous about LSU. What happens if LSU were to upset Georgia in Atlanta? You'd have a 12 and 1 Georgia, an 11 and 1 Tennessee, and an 11 and 2 LSU, I mean, they, they talk about 
placing an emphasis on conference championships, but I mean Tennessee went down there and won forty to thirteen in a game that wasn't that close. I mean that game was thirty seven seven late in the third quarter. So uh and then the one that really gets everybody right now up here is Southern Cal. Yep. I mean everybody knows that you've got the the Los Angeles market and stuff like that, but I mean, who are we kidding? Name a quality win, non-conference win, that anybody from the Pac-12 has so far this year. You can't. I mean, Washington over a Michigan State team that that obviously Michigan State is incredibly disappointing this year, uh, but you had the Oregon situation in Atlanta. You had Utah going to Gainesville in the swamp losing. I mean, and, and people, it just, it's driving Tennessee fans crazy that they're trying to create all this interest from the Pac-12 when it's like, where are your quality wins out there? I mean, there's a reason why y'all have been to two playoffs since this thing started. Um, and you're one and two in those games. I mean, it's, and so that's what has everybody, you know, Tennessee has the best resume. They were the number one team in the country. And all they, all of a sudden they dropped from one to five. And, and, and this isn't, you know, I voted on the Harris poll, um, for the last eight years of the BCS. So you had the Harris poll, you had the coaches poll and you had the computers. And I know it was kind of like an advanced math class. But you could follow that stuff. Right. And, I mean, if you were to hop on the Sagarin ratings right now, you would see that Tennessee's fourth in the country and Southern Cal's 13th. I mean, they're not even in the same conversation. So it's people that are creating this kind of stuff that has ball fans right now absolutely batty. The thing that get, I get no pleasure with someone, you know, with, with a UCLA degree, I get no pleasure in delivering the, the you know, the, the perspective that with the team still on USC's schedule, They've got teams in the college football playoff rankings at UCLA, at Notre, Notre Dame, hosting Notre yep. Dame, and then potentially a Pac-12 championship game against either Oregon or Utah, both of whom are in the top 15 of the college football playoff rankings right now. If USC closes with wins in those games, and they're a 12-1 and Power 5 conference champion, and they're 7 in the rankings right now, I think at some point, and it might be conference championship game Saturday, if they pull that off and they close with three wins, I wonder if they're jumping Tennessee in the final rankings. And I, I think on a neutral field, I would like to, I, I would take Tennessee over USC. I but would that, too. But that only goes so far. And I wonder if those final three wins would put, uh, would put USC over the top, especially if one of them was an avenging, if they could avenge the Utah loss in the process, beat one of the teams that beat them earlier in the year in the Pac-12 championship game. They close with UCLA and then Notre Dame and then Utah. I wonder if that's going to punch their ticket into the top four. And then there's also and then there's also a, a Big Twelve uh, possibility, yeah, right? You've got you've got TCU and you've got the Michigan Ohio State loser with with one loss too. But the, I'm I'm glad you brought up USC because because I see that coming, David. Where where I see a path for them to be in the top four if if they can close with three straight wins in, in these in these three big games. And and the, you'll have people that are making this out as some huge accomplishment. I mean, UCLA beat South Alabama by a point. Uh, you know, Notre Dame has a home loss to Marshall and, and people are acting like USC's about to, you know, face the steel curtain three straight weeks. And, you know, it, it is absolutely incredible the garbage that people are trying to create in this. I mean, when I voted, I was absolutely huge with resumes and, and it's like USC has a six point win over a three and seven Cal team in Los Angeles. 
I mean, Tennessee doesn't have anything that equates to that. When Tennessee plays a lousy team, they beat them by six touchdowns. And so I'm just like, why is this even being discussed? I mean, I know why it's being discussed. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because Tuesday night, Tuesday night was my favorite selection show of the entire fall because it's in between those two basketball games and you don't get gas bags talking for an hour on it. <laughs> well, this what we're talking about and what is going to happen is going to be the impetus to go ahead and we're going to have more than four teams in the playoff because there's no way around there's going to be a mess at the end of this regular well, season. And, and Bill and Dan, you know, there, there was all this talk about, well, I just have a tough time putting a team in that didn't even win its own division. Well, uh, go back to the 90s when you had Philip Fulmer at Tennessee and Steve Spurrier at Florida. Those were like two of the three best, three or four best teams in the country along yep. with FSU and Nebraska. What about Alabama and LSU in 11? I mean, it's not their fault they're in the same division. They're the two best teams in the country. Sometimes it just happens. No, and, yeah. and I guess the other, the other question I would have is, is, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a path for an ACC team right now. I know Clemson and North Carolina could both finish the year as one-loss conference champions at, as well, but it just seems like the, the overall strength of that league, even compared to the Pac-12, uh, doesn't, doesn't seem like it's there you know, at, the, uh, at, at the top this year. But, but certainly, David, I mean, and, and, I mean, I guess LSU would be the other question mark, right, as far as if LSU can close with... It, yeah, if it, they win the SEC and are eleven and two, yeah. Then, then what? Yeah, what do you do with that relative to an eleven and one Tennessee team that beat them, right? And an eleven and one Georgia team or a twelve and one Georgia team that won every game except the SEC championship game and some other teams too. What? What? I mean, that's great. That's that's why that's why it, it is great. There was a though. question I mean, in there I, somewhere, but yeah, I don't I don't know. And that sort of leads into you're talking about divisions today. Uh, Greg Sankey, you know, pretty much uh, saying that. Forget the, forget the divisions in the Southeastern Conference and don't look at pods. So it's what we've been talking about of playing a certain number of permanent opponents, rotating everybody else, then taking the top two. That's, that's a way to then shut down any argument about, well, they're in the same division. They didn't even win their own division because you just come up with the best two teams doing that. Yeah, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I have really liked the divisions. I've liked the, the rivalries that have been created. I, I miss the fact that, that, that Auburn and Tennessee and Auburn and Florida don't play all the time like they used to. But it's, it's, you know, how good has Auburn LSU been? I mean, that's been as close as and competitive as any rivalry going, and that didn't exist before divisions. So, um, you know, on an annual basis. So I, I think the divisions have been fun because I, I'm, I'm so old school on this that I, I, you know, you go back to that 11 year and, and, and really LSU, you go to Tuscaloosa and you win and it's almost, and it's a shame that you have to kind of prove it again, which mm -hmm. they obviously couldn't do. Um, and so uh, the thing I like about the divisions is that rematches have kind of been at a minimum. There haven't been a, just a ton. I mean, you think about it, uh, Auburn and Georgia didn't play a rematch until 2017. Uh, Alabama and Tennessee have never played a rematch, and LSU and Florida have never played a rematch. And those are permanent cross-divisional opponents with a lot of tradition and success. So I have enjoyed that part, that you haven't had tons of rematches in title games. But I get that we're headed toward that, and it's a brand-new world anyway. I mean, I just I hope we're headed to that 3-6 pod mm -hmm. instead of the 1-7 oh, pod. Yes. Just because that, that, that would be a shame if, if you know, you'd have – uh, Alabama LSU twice every four years, Auburn Georgia twice every four years. That would that would just kind of stink. 
No, the three six just would be so much better. I know it would create unequal, uh, you know, home uh, home games. Right. But but still, it it it's the fairest thing as far as I'm. And concerned. there are even some there are even some cool rivalries that probably can't be preserved in a three six format every year because some teams you know have a, have a lot of enemies. Uh, but uh, I think well, that's we, probably we, we, the better. It's probably a better you know better way to do it than. Certainly, than than one seven. If, if you're trying to to balance that out somewhat, we were talking a little while ago, and you know, uh, when when in the preseason when I was looking at three six, I didn't have ten. I, you know, I I could legitimately say, well, Alabama's three permanent opponents could be, you know, Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. Not now with Tennessee's resurgence, that that would not be right. One of those teams would have to go. So yeah, you, you'd probably lose for Alabama one of Auburn, Tennessee, or LSU, and I would guess that might mean LSU, and that would really be a shame. Yeah, um, and of course, we've talked about that, How, um, I, and I'm not sure how they're going to break those teams up, but I would have to think uh, Alabama's would still be Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. I, the, the interesting one becomes Auburn. I mean, you, you definitely have Alabama and Georgia. Right. It's just who would be that third team. I, I think Auburn's third team becomes one of the – interesting ones it, it may be just some random one like vanderbilt i mean who knows you know i i had vanderbilt sort of in my outdated model of trying to do this in basketball it's old miss you know that's the third designated rival and the old miss game since it became a yearly thing uh in, in the aftermath of the sec west uh it, it has become a pretty big event in auburn every other year I it think has partially, and partially it's because a lot of alabama students end up at old miss and so they're, they're it's a chance to come home and see you know former high school classmates and things like that it's often around halloween weekend which has helped but it's it's become a pretty big game and i don't know i could i could see worse ideas than than sticking old miss as the as as the third uh, as the third yearly opponent for Auburn, especially if Auburn uh, poaches Lane Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was about to say, Dan, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this or not. Bill and I remember, but that '99 Ole Miss Auburn game oh. in Auburn is one of the most vitriolic games I yep. have ever seen. I mean, that Ole Miss section had signs. That I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, they're more cuss words than non cuss words. Yeah, it's terrestrial radio, David. So be yeah, be, be careful. <laughs> I know it's, I know you, you guys uh, you can you know, on the on the podcast maybe we'll we'll tell you what what they actually had to say. Yeah, great, that, great, no, great, 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 name was in a lot of them, and then there was a lot of wordy dirts around it. Oh yeah. So uh, for for this weekend, I mean, it's you know not not marquee games. It doesn't appear on tap. What what interests you the most from the games this weekend? Yeah, I think uh, I think the strengths of Tennessee and Georgia play into the weaknesses of South Carolina and Kentucky. So I, I just don't see how those games will be that close. I mean, who knows? We're we're dealing with cold weather, and I know Georgia's dealing with really cold weather up in Kentucky. But I still, I just with Kentucky's offensive line and with Jalen Carter healthy, I just I don't see how Georgia doesn't win that game by at least you know, 24, 28, and I, I'm the same way with Tennessee-South Carolina. That game was 28 to nothing after a quarter last year. Um, I think the Vols really put it on them again, even if it's at Williams-Brice. I mean, Georgia put it on them earlier this year at Williams-Brice. The game I think that's the most intriguing head-to-head within the league would be that Ole Miss-Arkansas game. I mean, that was a 52-51 thriller last year, but, I mean, you've got I mean, you, technically, you've got both teams kind of coming off the emotional mat. I mean, you know, Arkansas didn't have KJ Jefferson and uh, still played LSU really tight. Um, you know, and then Ole Miss just losing that heartbreaker. I mean, they 
obviously put their eggs as everybody does put their eggs into trying to beat the Bama basket and so um but that one to me is by far uh the most intriguing game I think I think Florida takes care of Vandy even though that's going to be cold and I know Florida players don't always like the frigid but um yeah you're right it's kind of the calm before you know I, I we mentioned it last week I think the Florida FSU game shaping up is a really fun one and, and of course next week being rivalry week always is always a blast Oh, it is. Uh, David, we really appreciate it. Great stuff as always. Maybe we can, uh, maybe, maybe we could, uh, get with you either Wednesday or Friday since obviously, uh, next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Yeah, let's, uh, let's shoot for Wednesday if that works for y'all. Yeah, that'll be fine. All right. We'll do that. Well, uh, uh, great. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you, we'll tell you, uh, happy Turkey Day then next week. But thanks again for joining us. Let everybody know how they can keep up with everything you're doing. Yeah, timesfreepress.com and espnchattanooga.com. And just want to give a shout-out to all the Auburn fans who packed Jordan Hare. That was uh, interesting. You know, I had the Tennessee-Missouri game at noon, so I was able to come back and channel flip. And, of course, that Oregon-Washington game was really wild, but really got settled in on Auburn and Texas A&M there at the end. And I know it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing game, but it was really wild to see Cadillac running around and all the 04 teammates that were there to support him. It was just a... I thought that was a good night for Auburn, for sure. Quite the show it was indeed. Yep, you're, you're right, David. Thanks again, man. Have a great weekend. You guys do the same. Take care. David Pascal joining us as he does. And okay, so we will, uh, we'll get with him next Wednesday, uh, because we're on every day except Thanksgiving next week. So, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week. We'll get to our first break here of hour number two. We'll open up the phone lines. Love for you to join in here on the Thursday drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, 525 here on this Thursday evening. Bill, Dan, Drew at the controls, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Daniel is up first. Hey, Daniel. Hey, guys. I uh, I just wanted to call in. First off, uh, um, Bill, I'm so excited that you're back in the studio. I hadn't been listening for uh, the whole show these past few days. Um, but I just wanted to call in and... and uh, share my excitement for for you and your progress. It seems like you're doing doing better. Um, yeah, thanks. But, I appreciate it. I, I, and yeah, every, everything everything every day a little better. Cold weather's not great for it though. <laughs> right, I'm sure. I'm sure. And it's hey, it's it's getting down in you know freezing below freezing. It's getting getting a little cold. Um, but I was wanting to call in um, and really hear your guys' thoughts on really the trajectory of. Auburn and Alabama basketball. And it feels like these past few years since Auburn and Bruce Pearl have, we've amounted, you know, somewhat of a really good basketball school. Alabama has also done the same in a sense. But I feel as if Alabama fans especially want Alabama basketball to be like Auburn. I don't know if you feel this or not, but it feels like they're playing catch-up. And I know the excitement around their program. They got these recruits, you know, the McDonald's All-Americans. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, the, the new basketball arena coming soon. I don't know when that's supposed to start 
being built or if it already is or whatever. I, I don't think Al- I think we're a long way away from yeah, that. I, I, I do, now. too. I, I'll tell you what a couple of the things are. I think that for years, Alabama never worried about Auburn basketball. They knew they were better than Auburn basketball. Alabama, traditionally, I mean, historically, Alabama is either number two or number three all-time in SEC basketball. So they didn't really worry about Auburn. Auburn would, they feel like, well, every once in a while, Auburn will, will have a good team. But they, they just felt that year in and year out, they were better. And then Bruce Pearl got here. And then the excitement. And even before he was bringing in five stars and first-round draft picks, Auburn basketball was all of a sudden better. And that's something that, um, that Al- Alabama fans just, they, first, they couldn't believe it. They were like, oh, well, it's not going to last. And then they had to do something about it. And going out and getting Nate Oates. And Nate is bringing in now, as you said, McDonald's All-Americans and five stars. But they're still, they're still looking up at it. And they don't like, they don't like that at all about Auburn basketball. And, and maybe there's not the same level of excitement around. But I would caution some Auburn people. Like Nate Oates has done a pretty good job of keeping up with Bruce Pearl since he arrived. Nate Oates is 33-21 and 21 in SEC play as Alabama head coach. In those same three seasons since Nate Oates was hired, Auburn is 34-22. and 22. So there's a one-game difference in conference play between Alabama and Auburn since Nate Oates. They haven't made the Alabama. Final Four. That's the they, only thing really they, Auburn but, has over Alabama right, right and, now. And even that predates Nate Oates arriving at, at right. Alabama because that happened during during Avery Johnson's uh, final season as the head coach. I think, but but it is a really exciting time for the top two programs, and maybe Nate Oates' success has been tainted a little bit because while it's going on, Auburn's also having a party of their own at Auburn Arena, and they've continued to win conference championships as well. But no, it's a great time. I mean, how often, Bill, you know, how often are both Alabama and Auburn viewed as Final Four contenders in men's basketball? How often? Not, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know that how often that's, I don't know, never. Yeah, well, that's where we are right now right. in the state, among other teams in the SEC. That reminds me, Sonny Smith will join us tomorrow on the uh, on the drive as we uh, talk a little more basketball Auburn and Texas Southern coming up tomorrow. Appreciate the call, Daniel. Need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in in the final half hour of the Thursday drive. The drive continues. 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 The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan. Drew at the controls and uh, right back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Brett is up next. Hey, Brett. Hey, guys. Uh, Dan, you know, sometimes statistics, eh, they're kind of shaky. Uh, to say in the three years Oates has been there that they're right there with Auburn, that that, that wouldn't be true. Uh, <laughs> Auburn had a year that they finished first in the SEC. Alabama finished first in the SEC. Alabama had a losing record in the SEC. Auburn finished second in the SEC. And then Alabama had a losing record and Auburn had a losing record. But it, it, 
it's it's really based on one year for Alabama. Well, no, that, that is true. I mean, the, the one record, winning record in the SEC since he's been there. Right. The rec the record is skewed by the sixteen and two season that Nate Oates had in his second year. A bit of a disappointment last year. They were expected to be one of the top two or three teams in the league coming off that six and two uh, championship season, and they went nine and nine instead of uh, in, instead of you know improving on or even maintaining that sixteen and two season. But but I would say that a lot of the like it. Right now, the distance between the two programs—if you're looking at projections for this season, or I mean, what we're—I mean, Alabama's ranked what four or five spots behind Auburn in the in the top twenty-five, like of of the current poll. Like, I think it's it's which, an it's an exciting time nothing. for yeah, which means nothing. But it's an exciting. I, my point would be, it's an exciting time for both programs. And while Auburn has had incredible success under Bruce Pearl, Nate Oates has had a successful three-year run. With it, at Alabama with a with a championship as well. Uh, last thing, here's something to keep an eye on. Uh, as far as the season going forward, Alabama, I believe, has got like 55 turnovers in three games. And they're not playing teams that force a lot of turnovers at all. And if, if the answer is supposedly Quinterly, who's still limping around. He's not going to be as quick as he was last year. And his assist-to-turnover ratio is basically four assists to 3.1 or 3.2 turnovers. He makes a lot of – Alabama doesn't have anyone to set you up is the bottom line. Sears is not a point guard in the SEC. I was surprised to see – I was surprised to see Quinterly played against – or was it was it the it was his younger was it his younger brother or no it was Quin- no, no it was Quinterly it was Quinterly who played in the he only played a couple of minutes in the game against South Alabama earlier this week where Alabama played yeah really well to start the game and then some turnovers turned it into a, a closer game than maybe uh, yeah. they were expected they need to shoot the three ball well to uh, to beat teams but they got some guys that that can at times shoot the ball well I'm interested to see what they look like in conference play South Alabama forced uh, no I think. Uh, Against South Alabama, New Mexico, I think, turned it over 13 times. And Mobile College, no, Mobile College <laughs> turned it over 13 times. New Mexico, eight. Alabama had right at 20. 21. 21 turnovers in that game. So, yeah, they got it. I mean, it's, it's, there's watch, a, watch And still one by ten. Freewheeling free free style can, can, uh, uh, can, can bite you. But they also, yeah, they, they, they can also put up points when they get rolling. Based on what? Well, I mean, they they hit ten threes in that game, even despite twenty one turnovers. Or like, there's there's some there's there's some good and some bad. Damn, they scored sixty five points. Sixty five points. No, you're right. I am. I am 65. interested. Okay, sixty five. Alabama can score. Come on, Dan. Well, where, I mean, so so are you, are you think are you think they're not gonna you think they're not gonna win conference games? Like it's I'm, it's early. Yeah, it's early. It's, it's early. I mean, it's early in the season. It's three, they're they're, I mean, they're three and zero. Oh. Let's not go crazy. They were picked. They were picked as one of the top what five or six teams in the league. And so far, I'd say, yeah. I mean, it's it's early. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see. But you know, they they uh, it, it's hardly really been a disaster. It's to start uh, there. Let's put it this way. Now they're. There is more interest in those two programs than there has been since the days of Sonny and Wimp. I mean, in both of them, and the the feelings are pretty strong back and forth. Yeah, for a lot of time, for a lot of years, so. it was just like, eh, you know, let's get ready for spring football. <laughs> you know, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love for you to join in. Anything on your mind, sports wise? Um, our thanks to. 
Uh, we've already had three guests here on the show. Scott Bagwell joining us. Auburn and Central tomorrow night uh, over at over in Phoenix City for the right to play in the state championship game in Jordan-Hare Stadium in a couple of weeks. Uh, meanwhile, as we mentioned, coming up tonight on 100.3 uh, AU100, um, you've got Lee Scott and Glenwood, where the uh, the on the line guys are in Montgomery getting ready for the, uh, for the for the broadcast of that ball game as they look for a state title tonight. Yeah, look, look, AISA. Look, looking forward to uh, tomorrow night's game between uh, Auburn and Central. Always an exciting time when those two teams get together in playoff football, and it's become uh, it, it's become something that's really commonplace. Not just in football, right? Seems like there's there's no, frequently you're not kidding. an Auburn like Central battle year, in the playoffs. Yep, yeah, uh, just about every sport. One has to go through the other to try to to try to advance, but it is crazy, isn't it? I mean, like Scott was saying, that you know, it's it's Hoover and Thompson, Auburn and Central. I mean, you can say Thompson and Hoover and Central and Auburn, whatever. Those four schools meeting for the fourth straight year in the semifinals, in rematches in the semifinals. That's that that's how that's how strong those uh, those schools are. Uh, we we'd love to hear from you. Anything you want to talk about sports wise. Let's see. We really haven't talked that much. You know, I was going to get with Dave when uh, our time with David Pascal was running short. You know, the Auburn Western Kentucky is one of the smaller lines in the SEC this week. Well, people expect a close game, and and I, I struggle to like it's it's tough to predict how Western Kentucky's offense. There's Dennis Hopper. That's uh, it's tough to predict how a uh, the people only the two people in the studio know what we're talking about there, and I don't even know Drew if Drew knows uh, fully what we're what we're discussing there. Uh, with uh, I was going to say Sal Minio just walked. in. Oh, is that right? Ago, about yeah. that. All right. Well, look up Giant uh, Kids from 1956. <laughs> so uh, it, it, with Western Kentucky, I don't know how you predict how it's going to do against a defense like Auburn, right? Because they've been very right. successful within their own league, putting up a lot of points, forcing turnovers, but especially offensively. Like what they've been able to do with that offense and with a quarterback who had success at a lower level before making the jump, former Argonaut. You know, make, make, making the jump mm-hmm. from Pensacola up to uh, up to Bowling Green. Uh, but if, I mean, if they get rolling, I mean, this this is, based on the data, a, a team that can score... They haven't been playing Auburn type defenses. No, all no, year, they haven't. Especially the way Auburn's been playing defensively over the last couple of weeks. And the the game you saw Auburn play at home against Texas A and M makes you think this is a defense brimming with confidence. You would, you would think, but I'm, I'm but it it's uh, it wasn't just oh and Cadillac looking for fans to. Come. I think I think the Auburn staff realizes that you know Auburn fans don't need to just. Uh, Either stay home or or come in and and uh, just expect Auburn to to dominate. Maybe they will, but he'd love to have some semblance of the you know the electricity that was in the air last week against Texas A and M. I mean, it's going to be very hard to expect that against Western Kentucky, a three o'clock game on a chilly. Saturday afternoon at Jordan Hare. Bill, you manage Auburn students. A lot of them are leaving town. On Friday. Oh, a lot of them are gone. I mean, it, that's the thing because it's there's no there are no classes at Auburn next week, so it's it's hard to expect it's going to be a full student section. So, I mean, that's where Western Kentucky's coming in. They're gonna you know, you know they have nothing to lose. They're gonna be really loose and going out there. This is their like. Big, big chance. They can knock off an SEC school, 
that'll up their bowl status. They're already going to be in a bowl. They're seven and what? They're seven and three or seven and or seven and four, seven and three, I guess coming in. Yes, this um, is game eleven for them, I think. Okay, yeah. So they're seven and three, seven I three. believe, coming in, and uh, this this would be huge for them. Meanwhile, you know, Auburn just um, they want to go out the right way with with all the seniors playing their final home game. But there's Alabama next week. And there's nothing bigger coming up for Western Kentucky than Saturday. So, yeah. So, um, I, expect, I expect it to be uh, a competitive ball game. You'd love to see Auburn jump on top. This is a kind of but, – but with what Auburn is doing offensively, um, you know, Auburn is not built if Western Kentucky gets on top. This is not an Auburn team that – is built for you know coming from behind. Even though they did and made it made it uh, pretty darn interesting against Mississippi State. And I want to see how much of Auburn's success on the ground the last two weeks can translate against a team that isn't in the throes of a difficult season or uh, you know is is uh, and I know Mississippi State's not not that but no. it's, it's they, a, they have not been great defensively this year though right either. and Western Kentucky has struggled like Justin Ferguson yep. said in the previous hour Justin uh, the uh, uh, Western Kentucky has struggled to stop the ground game yeah when so, so some Auburn of the better should. rushing offenses in their conference uh, have tried to run the ball I, I would imagine Auburn could have some success with Tank and Jarquez and uh, Robbie that's the other thing. I, want, I want to see Robbie Ashford's can hopefully we see continued progression with Robbie Ashford in the running game you know he, he didn't do as much this past week uh, but but Tank and Jarquez each had 120 yards so um, hopefully Robbie can can you know add more to the running game as well and Auburn you know, can what they want is to to win and be clicking going into Tuscaloosa next week. Oh, certainly, and that's something that Auburn. I mean, a, the the momentum you would build from a win over Western Kentucky. You know, people can debate how much of it there is. Well, they get you, know, you to five and six, yeah. and and you're thinking, uh, you know, possible bowl game. You got a bowl. You got a, a bowl game. On the line, and a loss would really take the wind out of your sails. Oh, yes. I mean, even really even would. though it's the Iron Bowl, and even though you don't need uh, you, you don't need that extra motivation, uh, yeah, a loss to to a group of five opponent, even a quality group of five opponent like Western Kentucky, the week of the Iron Bowl would be pretty disappointing. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's see. Not uh, we mentioned the um, the the Ole Miss offer that has been reported. To, uh, to Lane Kiffin. Hasn't been a whole lot of um, new information out there about the Auburn coaching search, with one exception. And and I wonder about this one. I don't doubt that this coach has been contacted because, as I said yesterday, I was told um, from from someone who I would, I would feel like has pretty good information that Auburn has contacted at least a dozen head coaches, head college head coaches. So I wouldn't be stunned that this person had, you know, at least there, there'd been uh, feelers set out, gauging interest. But uh, I thought it was interesting that an Ole Miss reporter today posted that his information was that one of the mystery candidates at Auburn was James Franklin of Penn State, and that James Franklin was definitely interested. So yesterday, I yesterday we 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 posed the question: If Dabo Swinney were interested, how would you feel? 
Um, I, I wonder how I wonder how Auburn fans would feel about James Franklin being interested in the job. Well, James Franklin is somebody who, as you know, as a candidate, would check some of the boxes that you would think would be prioritized in a coach. He's recruited well. He is. He knows what it it takes to recruit in the Southeast. He won more at Vanderbilt than anyone has won in in modern football. Not a stranger to Power 5 football no. as a head coach, which is something that I think folks would expect Auburn to prioritize more uh, with this search than they did with the previous. Had, had pretty good success against Auburn this year. Search, and, and that's right. I mean, so uh, I, I could... Uh, at the same time, there have been some puzzling losses. There right. have been times when the team has been projected uh, by a lot of folks to have a, a great year, and they've fallen just short of a mm-hmm. conference championship or a spot in the playoff or something like that. So, no, I mean, I, I think it's a uh, he's a curious candidate. I, I wonder what you're getting in James Franklin if if he is indeed the guy. But uh, there there are there, there's reason to believe that that he would. Uh, he, he would be a very capable uh, person to put in the pilot seat of a program trying to, uh, uh, to 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 win at a championship level. And I haven't really haven't really checked lately, but I know that preseason there were some rumblings from Penn State folks about you know how how solid was the footing that James Franklin was on there. So um, yeah, that that is interesting. But again, I believe a lot of this is just a testament to John Cohen's thoroughness. And there's no reason not to check in with just about anyone who's out there just to you, you never know who might be interested and and where you might need to turn if your top candidate doesn't work out. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join in as we wind it down here on the Thursday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final segment here on this Thursday evening. Let's get back to the Kia of Auburn Hotline, and Terry is up next. Hey, Terry. Hey, Bill, Dan. Um, James Franklin, you mentioned Bill slam dunk hire. Oh yeah, uh, I've been a Hugh, I've been a Hugh Freeze proponent for a long time, but I would take James Franklin. That's a Michael Jordan, Dominic Wilkins type dunk hire. That's funny. I mean, I've talked to some people that are very just eh about uh, about James Franklin. No, because I think he could come in and bring in the kind of talent that I'm and he can coach just good enough. All I've got to know is he took Vanderbilt to a bowl game. He won nine games at Vandy. In a season. I mean, Vandy wins nine games, you know, in like three years a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, you can count their winning seasons on one hand. At least I in mean, my lifetime, you can. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned about the way things have fallen off in the last few years for Penn State. I know they're back this year, but, I mean, if, if you look at the last three, four years, the conference record's not outstanding for for James Franklin, you know, with a roster that, that he's built himself. But you're right. I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily translate that's like criticizing you know brian kelly uh you know oh well, you, you lost some games of late that doesn't mean that if he were to get a new start at a new place uh that, that he wouldn't be able to, to inject a lot of energy and excitement yeah because yeah i started to tap on either dan yeah because we saw lsu against florida state the first game of the year i would never have guessed them for the uh 
uh, SEC championship. No, you're right. So the James Franklin slam dunk, I've been a Hugh Freeze guy all along. But that's a that would be a major dunk right there. Well, I think I think the, the the main thing is John Cohen is really doing his due diligence. He is uh, he's inquiring and sending out feelers, getting gauging interest from coaches, and uh, apparently, I mean, there's no reason not to check with every one of them. And Bill, at the time you were at the university, is this the tightest lip so coaches that you can remember? Not even close, Terry. Absolutely, close, it is. Absolutely, it is. And I'll, I I think it's great. Firm, right. No, search firm, not a search firm. He has a firm that is doing background checks and doing deep dives into backgrounds. But, no, it's his own list. I got a feeling we'll see shortly, guys. I think so, too, Terry. Yeah, y'all take care. All right, you Frank, too. Franklin was, the, uh, Franklin was the offensive coordinator for Kansas State when they came here with Jordy. Oh, I'd forgotten. Haltberg. Yeah, it was Jordy Nelson, Nelson and yeah. uh, oh, who's the quarterback? Josh Freeman. Oh yeah, big, Freeman, big quarterback, big guy, yeah. and and Jordy Nelson. They had, yeah. a, they had a couple of that. I mean, that was, so that's I mean, James Franklin. Even I didn't, back I to, did not realize yeah, that. Was, that was between Maryland and Vanderbilt. He was, uh, he was because I remember when he was the coach in waiting, going to be the coach in waiting there at at uh, Maryland. Yeah, he was. He got a big check from Maryland because yep. they decided not to go through with him as as, and in as hindsight, Ralph. Sight that was not a that was not a brilliant move. I think it was Ralph Friedgen, right? It was yeah. They, they was. had him. They had him ready to replace Ralph Friedgen. Decided not to go with him. He went to to be Ron Prince's OC at Kansas State. Came hmm. to came to Auburn. Uh, that was a, a memorable game among many. Was that a Thursday night? I think no. The, I think no. The, game, the one I, there was a Thursday night. The game there night. was Thursday right. The game the game at Auburn was the uh, yeah was was the and one. People wondered why couldn't you cover that that Jordy Nelson yeah, guy? Turned out turned yeah, out he, yeah, was, he, he was pretty good. Ten year pro career in the uh, yep. with the Packers and and then he went to Vanderbilt uh, from there and did a uh, did did a memorable job which sort of launched his his head coaching career. Paul Goldschmidt, National League MVP. Oh, how about that? Not, not, not too much. No, not of a, a huge surprise. Shot. That's only because the guy from the Nationals only got, uh, only got sixty games or so. Joe, Joey, uh, Joey Menaces. Oh yeah, or, or he, yeah, he was right there, he was, on, right hey, there, right there. He was on the pace. Uh-huh. He, was, he was on pace. He was on pace. Yeah. Watch out for next year, folks. Yeah, yeah. Let's see if the Nats can Tra- win seventy games. Where's Trey Turner going to sign? Uh, I don't know. Where's the money going to be? Where's the most money going to be? There's, I mean, there's a big. There's a big market for a shortstop like Trey Turner. You think yep. Aaron Judge? Thing is, there are a few options There's, though. Well, there, there are a few shortstops that are that are possible. Aaron, Aaron Judge staying with the Yankees? I don't know. I hear a lot of Giants talk. Yeah, a lot of Giants. Splash, talk. yeah, splash Aaron.